Welcome, everyone, to Conversations in Cybersecurity. I am Tim Erlin, your host. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt may often seem like some of the mainstays of marketing and cybersecurity, but the reality isn't actually that simple. Uh, vendor marketing, whether directly or indirectly, is actually responsible for the balance of security research and communication that we see about incidents, um, standards, um, general cybersecurity news, and practitioners rely on vendors and the stories they tell to do their jobs. So joining me today to talk about the importance of storytelling in cybersecurity is Michael Thielander. Michael has a long history in product management and product marketing, including working at Tripwire, Iovation, Venify, and Eclipsium. Uh, and he's currently Senior Director of Technical and Product Marketing at Anishin. So welcome, Michael. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Tim. It's very, very good to be here. I don't know what time it is for you, but it's early in the day still for me where I am on the West Coast. And it looking, it's looking to be a great day, and it'll be a great weekend. That's awesome. So this, this, uh, the idea for this particular episode of the podcast actually came out of a conversation you and I had a while back, uh, where we just sort of touched on storytelling and cybersecurity. And you had told me at the time that you felt like you were really um, getting a handle on the story you needed to tell for the the organization you were working for at the time. And it, it got me thinking after that conversation about sort of the broader role that storytelling plays in cybersecurity. And, and I'd love to just sort of get your thoughts about um, you know, you as a, a product marketer today, how do you think about that role of storytelling in cybersecurity? It's a great question. I remember that conversation too. And I think that I was alluding to the fact that the, the story that I was trying to reach, to trying to enable to encapsulate a little bit and reach our prospects and buyers had been sort of elusive. We were finally getting a sense of like, what do they really care about? And why does, why does this matter to them? And it brings me around to like, why, why is why was I so excited then? Why am I still so excited? I think it's because we tend to view cybersecurity. If we step back for a second, most of us come from a into cybersecurity from a very technical background. You know, whether it's in engineering or product management, whether it's threat research, analytics, we come into it from a very technical background. And in that technical sense, we view the practice of cybersecurity as kind of binary, or if it's not binary, you know, where there's good and bad and there's good guys and bad guys, then it's at least very data-driven, right? There's, and in, in data, we tend to think that in a data-driven scenario, there's not a lot of room for a story or embellishment. And I, I just think that storytelling, you know, if it's not really, that was a great intro, by the way, because very often people equate storytelling to FUD. You know, what is, what is the level of fear, uncertainty, and doubt that I can, like, that I can instill in my audience to get them to care about what it is that we're doing? But really, it's much, much more than that. I think the role in it is that is that businesses need a story. The practice may not need a story for everything. The practice... And actually, that's not even that's not always true. I think if you're trying to, for instance, trying to do threat mapping and really understand threat motivations and those actors wrapping it around a story, if you're an analyst, is a very pervasive, I mean, persuasive and compelling way to get the the threat across to your the listeners within your organization. But I think that it it's it really serves the business side of cybersecurity. Every business needs a story. You know, it needs a it needs, if you will, all the characters. It needs a protagonist, right? It needs an antagonist. It needs sort of the hero's journey. It needs this notion of where we're going. And especially in cybersecurity, uh, as you apply that to like a team, the best CISOs that I've ever met and I've been able to work with in my role as either a product marketer or a product manager 
whether that's getting requirements from them or help bring them into our organization to help tell the story to like their peers, they really understood the journey that they were on. They understood exactly where they were, um, where they were going to be next, and ultimately where they wanted to take their organization. And that's fundamentally a story. And I see them as being the really the strong organizations. They had a really strong story for what they were trying to solve for next. They had a really strong story for their boards about how they were going to spend their money in a, in a realm that we can all, I think, agree that it's difficult sometimes to justify your spend because like if you do your job well nothing bad happens well you then don't expect anything bad to happen so that's that's good news it's like negative reinforcement like if if you do get pwned like then there's something bad but sometimes it's hard to tell the story to the board what they well, were it, able to do was create a story that they could always go back to and and, and in, <laughs> the reality is actually if you do your job well something bad is still likely to happen i was mm-hmm. i was just looking at um i think it's uh, sophos put together uh, their state of ransomware report for 2023, and the, the the graph they have, everything's going in the wrong direction. You know, more successful ransomware attacks and fewer mitigated ransomware attacks, right. and it just makes me think. You know, we as an industry must be doing something wrong. Like whatever we're doing, it's not working. And that that idea that you have of the CISO having a clear sense of the story they're they're trying to tell with their team, I think, is an important one. I I went into this conversation thinking that that we were going to talk about you know, storytellers and listeners and position sort of the vendors as the storytellers. But I, I think you're you're pivoting that a little bit to say that actually everybody in this equation is a storyteller. I think everybody has a story to tell. And I think that, you know, my interest in telling the story is very much from a vendor's perspective or even from a research perspective. But I think if I think everybody should step back and, and look at their role, what they do, whether they're an analyst or practitioner, and, and ask themselves, what is the story I need to tell? And especially if you're on the CISO side where you've got to tell a, a compelling story to, to get the money you need to do your job. Yeah, yeah. So what what do you think are the elements that, that make a good good cybersecurity story? I think you touched on that a little bit, but let's let's make them explicit. Well, I'll I'll be I'll be real explicit. And again, I'll start with my perspective as somebody that, you know, represents a vendor, represents a manufacturer, and I think that we always have to have three things, right? When we talk about what we do, we have to talk about the person that we're helping and the problem that they have and the pain that they're experiencing. And I've worked, I've been privileged to work with some really phenomenal leaders in product management and marketing and executive leadership. And um, a couple years ago, I was at Venify, which does um, machine identity management and protection. And the leadership there, that team, did a phenomenal job really being clear that for everything we say, everything we propose, everything we do, we have to have, know the person we're talking about and, to, and, and know their problem in detail, hopefully even better than they do. And beyond that, understand the specific pain that it leads to. And there's a whole bunch of practices that kind of wrap around that. Sandler selling methodologies tend to do the mm-hmm. same thing. But I want to you know extract it from like a, a named methodology and say no matter what it is, you've got to identify the person down to like – and I'm not talking just a general concept of a persona. I tend to have like large persona libraries, especially if it's a complex cell, which most of our cells in cyber in enterprise cybersecurity are. Like you've got to have a, a cast of characters who are sort of that top level buyer and then potentially a blocker and then an implementer and an influencer within that. Yeah. yeah. And so detail those personas, but you need to have the person and the problem and the pain down to the level of like what does this feel like to you, right? And that's where I think like Sandler selling methodologies do really well. They they like 
they they quantify it level one level two level three pain level three pain you're you might lose your job right yeah. that kind of thing I'm, I'm surprised i've never had a, a, a customer or prospect actually ask me what what persona i think they are you know when i'm talking <laughs> to them because i would think that that sort of product method uh product management methodology would would bleed over to the customers at some point in a way that that's interesting but uh, yeah. so you your perspective there as, as a vendor i think is you know one i understand pretty well how do we how do we translate that to a, a practitioner, to a CISO, for example? Because they're not trying to, they're not, they're not in the same position. I was going to say they're not trying to sell something, but often they are. Um, they also need to understand, you know, who they, who they're talking to, what their pain is, and how they're going to solve it, what that value is. And I, I don't yeah. know that that CISOs think about it in those terms when they're they're putting together messaging. I think some are are really good at it. I'll, I'll drop some some names because I don't think that that he's at ring central anymore ring uh michael machado was the cso at ring central when i first worked with him when i was at iovation and did a phenomenal job of understanding the story that needed to be told and when he talks about then and i'm paraphrasing but his concept of person problem and pain is i need to relate to the cfo directly i need that that's the yeah. persona yeah. that I'm. well if you're asking to. for budget sure yeah and 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 i need to I need to go back on some things that I promised before because the landscape has changed and I need to come in and I need to make some changes and I need to rationalize why I'm asking for those changes. And so he did a really good job of identifying who that person was, what their unique problem was. Their problem was is I've got a ton of things I need to spend money on. Why you, right? And then what the, the, the pain for them was if this went unaddressed. So I think that that applies everywhere, but it does get a little muddy and it gets a little... Um, it gets a little obscured if you're not the CISO, if you're not running a budget, if you're not if you're trying to um, uh, if you're not trying to like achieve a strategic objective. But, but let me add this on closing on that question is I think that all of us, because we're so reliant on the other parts of our organization and like I'm so reliant on sales and the sales team is reliant on me and we're in hand reliant on um, the, the product management team and the engineering and development team. I think we need to think of like each of them as individuals, like who is this person? What is their problem that I can help with? What is their unique pain? And can we achieve something mutually beneficial, right? In, in the relationship rather than just being like a, a transactional relationship anyways, but that's a whole different philosophy. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it, it, it's sort of a, uh, I've talked in the past about the idea of cybersecurity teams hiring a, you know, a marketing professional as part of their, their extended team. Uh, so that they can do a better job communicating in the organization. I, I hadn't really thought about how that skill set of storytelling would potentially benefit that security team as you know, as a member of that team. Every time you you go to present something, you're trying to tell a story of some kind. Right. Yeah. 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 So uh, let's let's move back to sort of the the market level of the conversation um, because I think you know talking about marketing campaigns is pretty straightforward for us to think of as a as a story, but. I do think there are stories that get created or that exist that, that we don't really think of in the same terms. And I, I'm thinking about sort of the output of security research teams, or um, you could include some of the the press and uh, and media, you know, things like like the industry specific journalism that occurs, where there are stories that get developed and told in those spaces that um, the recipients, the 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 practitioners, don't necessarily see them as cohesive stories being created, but I, I think they are. Do you have the same perspective there? I, I very much do, yeah. I think that we tend to, 
we tend to um, mislead ourselves a little bit. And to your point, we think that, oh, I use a story in a marketing campaign where I'm going to make a promise or I'm going to like identify, sort of use use an approach like the sustain impact, or I'm sorry, the situation impact resolution approach. It's called SIR. Sometimes I forget there for that sort of defines a story, right? And I'm going to use that to tell our marketing story. But in reality, there's a story in almost every relationship, transaction, opportunity. I think, in fact, every opportunity, like literally the opportunities there in Salesforce, mm-hmm. every opportunity is a story. There's a story about a customer, and it's it's a, an individual with a name, with a unique problem uh, that that has constraints around them or has challenges in the way that they would normally solve that problem and thinking a little bit less about like well if i just show them because we've seen this time and again if i just show them the data if i just show them the speeds and feeds about how we can accomplish this then this they'll go from being a, a prospect to an opportunity to an actual customer that's not always the case though because i no. think we need to understand their unique story and it's not just the speeds and feeds. It, it's very often how we're going to implement it, how we're going to be different, how we're going to support them along the way, along their journey to solve that. So I do think every opportunity is a, is a story. Um, I had a, a, another boss. I've learned so much from great bosses that looked at every opportunity and, and said, okay, so any, any conversation that you have, and this also applies to like writing content collateral. It's like, who do I need to convince to do what and by when? And and that can sound very pushy and abrasive and, and salesman-like, but it's actually to the story because in a story, you're trying to convince somebody to maybe change their perspective or change yeah. their priorities or change their point of view a little bit. And, and you typically have a by when in mind. Like you're not thinking to do this eventually someday. You're thinking, you know, make these changes in a, in a, in a time frame that impacts you. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I think of that that as um, I've, I've used that sort of pattern in the past. I think of it as objective oriented conversation. Like, what am I what am I trying to accomplish and what outcome do I want? And then, and then how can I best position to get that outcome? And usually I find that right. I have to remind myself of that when I'm frustrated or mad about something and that being frustrated or mad actually isn't going to get me what I want. <laughs> it, uh, it, yeah, it helps. Rarely. It helps kind of release the pressure for a while, but it doesn't yeah, actually move exactly you along right. that path any further. So what's interesting about what you're saying there about every opportunity being a story is that those stories get repeated. This is something that I'm fascinated with um, inside of of cybersecurity vendors that the the sales organization, one of the, I don't know what you call it, one of the, the currencies of operation are, are these, these anecdotes that they tell. Yeah. Sometimes they're industry anecdotes, but often they're anonymized customer anecdotes. You know, we have this one customer who did X and Y and our product helped them in you know, this way. And although there's no data necessarily behind those anecdotes, they become this this valuable tool. The more anecdotes you have for more situations, the the more effectively you can sell. Yeah. As long as they, they remain believable, right? And, Absolutely. And that becomes a challenge because very often they are stripped of identity. And, you know, you know as well as I do how hard it is to get a kick study in cybersecurity and get somebody's sure, name sure. attributed to something. But if it's a person, if it's, you know, this CISO Bob or, or security architect, you know, Julie, who I worked with in the past, and you tell this this story about what what their what their current state was, how they wanted to change that and how we helped them, that body of stories, you're right, that becomes yeah. that's the that's the, the the tools of the selling trade. And I think there's really good 
methodologies like I mentioned Sandler already, but there's another one. Force management is a sort of a selling methodology, and they do a really good job of saying, breaking it down and saying, here's the outcomes, here's the the um, the drivers for those outcomes that are trying to be achieved. Here's the proof points that these are the technical proof points of what the product does that achieves them, and then this is the story that comes out of it. This is where. Mm-hmm. You know, the this is where the customer was made successful or where the customers, you know, um, we, we rescued the customer from a bad situation, as it were. Yeah, yeah. And then there are also public stories that, that have, I think, caused real industry change. The one that I always think of, probably because I'm, you know, in Minneapolis, is the, the quote-unquote, the target breach. And the fact right. that I can call it the target breach and people know what I'm talking about in our industry. Right. yeah. It's a story, right? And it, you know, it changed... Uh, it continues to be used as a story, but it, it changed our perspective on things like, you know, third-party access. Um, you know, it's, it gets used in supply chain conversations, and yep. it continues to persist even now. Yeah, and you know, the 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 Target story, and I remember that because back in the day, you and I used to compare notes about Target, right? And and sure, yeah, we would talk about that in a file integrity monitoring sense. But those stories evolve, and now it's the solar wind story, right? The solar yeah, wind story one. has really sort of eclipsed that, and it's sort of it's really has forced this whole, you know, supply chain management of of cybersecurity tools and assets really up in the in the conversation all the way to the executive budget office, right? Yeah, and I, I think what I think people don't realize, I'll say practitioners don't realize, is that those incidents occur, but the story that gets built around them wouldn't really exist or wouldn't be told without the vendor community pushing it effectively, picking it up and adapting it to their needs, you know, making it instead of a, a supply chain management story, a file integrity monitoring story or whatever fits their their product and then pushing it out. And, it, and then it persists from there being told and retold from from that point. Yeah, and we're a little bit anxious, like as an industry, like, oh, we don't we don't want to be sold to. We don't want them to, I don't know how many times I've, I've I've heard, you know, don't don't give me the spin, don't give me the spin on it. Just give me the the facts, and I. But and so we tend to recoil a little bit when we hear about how these st- stories are getting repurposed. But in reality, it's just lore. It's lore. It's real experience, and we're using it to you know to to teach our peers and ourselves lessons and learn with them. And yes, they can be spun in a bad way. That's when FUD enters the picture. But the lore is still good and it's useful. Yeah. And it's it's useful in making decisions. It's useful in informing your peers and the people that you rely on. Again, if, if you're looking to get budget. Yeah. Can you can you do you have any can you think of any examples of of that storytelling crossing the line into FUD or being being you know having a a, a <laughs> negative impact on the the industry? Um. So you kind of caught me by surprise, and I'll I'll throw one out there because it's always it's always sort of top of mind for me about about what not to do, right? Um, and I don't want to belittle anybody or their tremendous marketing efforts, but if you look at like when remember when APT first became a thing, and there were yeah. a couple of companies that said we solved for APT, and that became like yeah. the thing, right? More than a couple, I think. More than a couple, yeah. Um, and I think it served its purpose in the moment because it it in the moment, like at that one RSA event where it was kind of born, if you will, um, it served its purpose to to let practitioners and strategists know that your existing tools aren't looking for this kind of thing. They're not they're not um, they're not beneficial. They're blind to what some of these threats actually look like. And they're and as an organization, you're completely 
blind to the threat actors. You don't think that nation states and their cyber security or cyber intelligence arms are going to be aiming for you. It did change the conversation and it worked really well for a point, but that point only lasted a couple of months. And then everything after that, I think, became FUD. And it rapidly, I think, kind of discredited what what the story of the APT was, was trying to solve for. And then we had to go like create and invent different categories and things that would carry that story forward and evolve it. You know, like if you look at the evolution of EDR, EPP, XDR, you know, that's all, that's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a category evolution of that same story, like carrying it out. And, And I don't think it's necessarily good. I think getting the, getting the attention initially, but then rapidly going to like, education getting their attention but then educating i think is the the big shift for me well and when you when it doesn't have the you know enough content to turn into education it becomes as as you pointed out with apt it 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 loses its cohesion and has to evolve and it it, it evolves in a a haphazard way really because it's it's it becomes kind of a it's like a meta story or you know becomes sort of a choose your own adventure except you've got yeah you've got multiple storytellers trying to choose the adventure simultaneously and then anybody can interpret or you know provide their interpretation of what the apt story looks like and some might be you know have a fair amount of integrity and be faithful to what the story really was but some are just fun right they're just fun yeah, to benefit yeah. the, the vendor it's hard to to pick all that apart which yeah. which is which makes it difficult i think in in telling in we touched on education the number one job of telling a story is education like that's that's the thing right there and there's a bit of convincing people but first you have to do that education piece and if we can't educate because people are fearful not fearful but they're distrustful of the story it just makes our education job you know a little bit harder yeah that's interesting i think if um if 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 i wanted practitioners you know not not the vendor storytellers to take something away from this this conversation, it, it would be to recognize that that they're being recipients of a story and and think about it as a story that's aimed at, at education, as you say. Um, mm-hmm. You know, bring the right amount of skepticism to the table because not every story is a is a great one, but it it would smooth the conversation and allow them to to recognize and avoid the fud and maybe take on the stories that are valuable and actually could they could use themselves as as storytellers in turn. I think that's huge. I think if you're a practitioner or you're implementing a solution or you're looking to source a tool or solution and a vendor comes in, and if you're not asking yourself in a positive way, what can I learn from this potential vendor? What what, what education can I gain from this? Then that's probably not the right vendor, right? Um, if a vendor comes in and they can give you another you know, another perspective on something and educate you a little bit on not ways that some of your peers might be solving the problem or ways that the tools have been repurposed or modified to provide a better outcome. I think it's very much about education. I had to draw myself up short there and I realized that that um, there that's an easy way to, to sort of separate the wheat from the chaff if you're vendor sourcing. If you don't immediately realize that there's something new here I haven't heard, Either you're buying a commodity that's too well known to, to have any value propositions really embedded within it, or you're talking to the wrong people. But mm. that's my my opinion, as it were. Uh, it's a good opinion, I think. Um, listen, Michael, I want to thank you for for spending the time today. I thought this was a super interesting conversation. I think actually it, it could continue for a, for a long time, uh, and there are probably other pieces that we could pull out and, and discuss even further. But um, uh, hey, let's was- let's. 
plan on something in the future, we'll we'll pick a topic and talk about maybe how the different roles and um, people in this, whether it's a buyer, a practitioner, strategist, implementer, how they've reacted to these stories. But let's let's jump on it again at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah, it could certainly use a follow up. So thank you, thank you for the time. Yeah, thanks.